Um, as we get started this morning, I want to ask you a question. Do you guys happen to know uh, your Enneagram number? Do we have any Enneagram folks that are like, I love the Enneagram, and I know exactly, what, do anybody know what the Enneagram, oh, every Hannah knows. So an Enneagram is like, it's like a, uh, this is not the Enneagram, this is a color wheel, but it's a similar assessment. Enneagram is a very popular, like, um, personality assessment, and there's a lot of folks that take that thing quite, quite, quite seriously. There are some really cool things about it that do help us, like, understand ourselves. This one is much more simple. Uh, so when it comes to the Enneagram, I'm pretty sure I'm a seven. Uh, I did take the test, and I scored pretty high on both seven and nine. Um, but for the longest time, I chose not to take the test. And the reason why was because all those like super Enneagram enthusiasts, it was fun for them to guess which one I was. And so that was way more fun to me than actually knowing. Uh, if you look at this one, this is the color wheel. It's another very simple one. Uh, and so What's cool about this is, so I'm, I'm definitely a yellow, uh, enthusiastic, sociable, uh, that's, that's my, let's do it together. I love this particular uh, version of the color wheel because it has the let's do it phrases. Um, but man, when you look at this, you can really begin to say, okay, yeah, that's totally me, and I can see where I am at home, right? So I am at home in enthusiasm. I am at home among people. But then you have others who are just incredibly organized, or data-driven, analytical. I mean, they can put things in categories and boxes, and, and you can just see that they are like at home when they're doing that. Or people that are very peaceful, the green, right? They're relaxed, they're caring, they're encouraging. Like when they're in a room or when they're in a space, they bring peace with them. And also, men are reds, those who are typically out front, right? And they are at home out front. It's like it's effortless for them to be leaders, to be determined, to be demanding, uh, competitive, strong-willed. Um, sometimes, you know, assessments aren't terribly accurate. Sometimes they're quite helpful. But what is cool is that they do help you see a little bit more of yourself with a little bit a greater level of clarity, right? All of a sudden, you know a little bit more about you. Well, this is our fourth Sunday in a series that we're calling Running on Empty, uh, and this is this series, it's like an inside-out conversation. Uh, this is not like an application series where we're putting something on top. It's not like a makeup series. We're not, not, we're not putting things on the outside. We're asking, what does it look like for a change to occur deep inside, transformation to happen deep inside? And then that change would change who we are at every level all the way to the surface. How do we surrender ourselves our very core selves to the Holy Spirit, and as we do, become genuine expressions of the heart of God. This series has like an underlying theme of assessment, right? So when we did thankful a few weeks ago, it's like, man, okay, so how thankful am I? That, that appreciation component of the character of God, I know it's in me, how much of it is making its way out of me? Or his grace and his mercy, when we talked about graceful. I know that's truly a character, like core ingredient of God. Like, is that truly a character, core ingredient of me? And then last week we did worshipful. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I'll say this, man. So I'm so grateful for our, for our teaching team. Mark did a great job last week. And, I, and the Lord wrote something permanently on my heart in your word last week. This idea of 
shadow and shape, that we are created in the image of God. I'll never forget shadow and shape. That's permanently a part of how I view me being created in God's image. So thank you. As we were talking about this, we have Mark, we have me, we've got Lauren and Nikki, we've got four on our teaching team, and we often talk about like what the series are going to look like, what are the specifics going to be. Lauren, who just had her baby this week and all is well, yeah, come on, right? we celebrate with her. She said these words, she said, I'm not sure if this is the right full, but something like mindful. She says, I've been reflecting a lot on what it looks like to read the word as meditation literature. They were supposed to read and then like take a walk and ponder, let the word, I love this, roll around in our brains and meditate on it, sometimes for application, sometimes just to marvel at God, sometimes just to sit in confusion and be okay with that. So I took the word mindful And I absolutely agree, this is a core concept. But today, I want us to look at what it means to be truthful. Truthful. Jesus' prayer in John 17, it has this moment where Jesus makes this request of God the Father. Check this out. It says, Lord, sanctify them. This is from the Amplified Version. Set them apart. For your purposes, make them holy in the truth. And Lord, your word is truth. So I'm going to stand on this verse this morning, and I'm going to say that what we will look at today, man, it isn't just a good idea or a beneficial life hack or, all right, man, you, you, you ought to do this because you're spiritual. No, I mean, this, what we're going to look at today, truthful. This is one of God's desires for our lives. And to me, that's beautiful, and it's stunning, and a little bit of fun. So in teaching on this subject, Jesus uses metaphor and illustration, and he provides us an opportunity for assessment. We actually have a chance to assess some things today to help us see how much room we have made for God's word in our heart. If you would, join me in Luke chapter 8. That's where we're going to be today, Luke chapter 8. Uh, we're going to look at the, the, the parable of the seed and the sower. Uh, so this, this parable is in both Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, in Mark, Jesus begins by saying this about the teaching. He says, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all of the other parables? What he's saying is like this this parable is about God's word, the truth of God making its way into us. And so this is like a core concept for us together. So I would say as we spend a few minutes together this morning, man, let's open our hearts, right? Let's receive from the Lord. Let's assess and let's answer this question. What is the condition of my heart? So let's join me uh, as as we read. We'll we'll begin in verse 4. So Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4, where it says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable 
to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. He says, a farmer went out to plant his seed. And as he scattered it across his field, some fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. And still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he had said this, Jesus called out, anyone with ears should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. Don't you love it when God makes it clear and plain? (laughs) This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while. Then they fall away when they face temptation. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, who cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. I don't always do this, but I have this like thing for liturgy, right? Like those really cool traditional moments that also are a lot of fun. And so like there are churches that after you read the word for the day, they'll go, the word of God for the people of God. Everybody says, praise be to God. This is in my head and my heart right now. So thank you for that wonderfully... Um, unplanned ADHD moment. Okay, here we go. So the first thing I want us to look at um, are these two statements, right? You are permitted, and this is the meaning. So verse 10, Jesus says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. This is a statement that he makes to the 12 disciples as they're having this conversation, but it's a beautifully spoken statement that I also believe is told to us, because here we are this morning taking the time to draw out of this word the secrets of the kingdom of God. I don't think they're being hidden from us. I think by our desire and our appetite to learn more about him, they are being uh, unveiled for us. And then Jesus' skin is quite clear. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. And I know that it's smart and obvious for us to to make the connection to Scripture um, because that is... God's word, all of scripture, God breathes, right? We know that. Um, 
But in this idea of truthful, there is more truth for us to receive. Um, And we'll get into like, there's this really cool author and he has uh, what's called a wisdom pyramid. He talks about like drawing out of all of creation and life, those truths and wisdoms of God. But I would say we do have like his word. There's truth in creation. And the beauty of like how plants give off CO2 and we drink in oxygen. Like God, like all around us, there's illustration and fact and beauty and strength that point to him and reveal to him. And so scripture is a foundation, but there's also the beautiful message of God. There is the good news of the kingdom, the teachings of God, the truth of creation, prophetic words, spoken words. Jesus himself is called the word. And as we begin to like open up our hearts and have an awareness of how God would speak to us, listening to him, I think we begin to open ourselves to the truth of God. If you'll notice, though, this parable is much more about our heart and our ability to receive God's word. So like the first step in being truthful is being able to receive like understanding the condition of our hearts and how much room we have for him. So let's look at the four heart descriptions that Jesus talks about. And then, man, let's, let's assess the condition of our hearts as we make room for him. So back to verse 12, right? This is where he begins to unpack the parable. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away. And that prevents them from believing or being saved. Here, Jesus is showcasing, like, the impenetrable nature of a hard heart, right? I love that he uses the illustration of a footpath, right? We've all seen this. I don't know where you've seen it. Maybe it's, like, on a hiking trail. Uh, Back in, like, Texas, we had those goat head stickers in our backyard. You guys know, like, the ones that are really sharp and nasty. Um, And so we had a few patches of those in our backyard, And so our dogs had, like, figured out where the goat heads were not. And so we had, like, these trails, right, like, of hard-packed, well-walked-on, hard-worn, yeah, dirt in our backyard. And so, again, when I grew up, my, my grandfather was a cattle rancher. And it always amazed me when you have, like, a cow and their footpath is, like, this big. Because, like, anyway, whatever. So we know what we're talking about. Um... Yeah, I put it down this way. In nature, there's this, there's this image of a path that's been worn lifeless by constant trampling. It's hard packed, it's dry, it's dense. Nothing is going in there. It's almost as if the ground is repelling anything that would attempt to make its way in. So the word isn't received. It just sits on top. That's all it can do is sit on top. So it's pretty easy for the devil to come and take it away. Maybe you know somebody with a really hard heart. It just won't let anything in. So they have like no interest or no openness to like religious stuff or spiritual stuff or even other people. Um, Jesus does talk about this specifically in light of believing and receiving like salvation, being saved. 
but I have seen this heart condition in a person of faith. A very dear friend of mine who tragically lost his grandmother, who was like the cornerstone pillar of their of faith for that family. And he didn't know how to reconcile with God losing her that way. And then that like vacuum being created in their family. And he got super upset and super angry and super closed off and super bitter. All understandable responses. But I saw a guy whose heart just realized. When I, when I first really began to visit with him and meet with him and talk with him, he, he made fun of me for being a Christian. He, he, he called the things that I hold dear make-believe. He actually spent so much, and he was, he was just abrasive, and, like, and it was just interesting. Because at first, I didn't know his whole story. I just knew his repelling nature, right? Um, but we became good friends. We're cigar smokers, the both of us. That's where I met him, in the cigar shop. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise, I know. Um, but as we began to have more and more cigars and more and more time together, I began to hear his story. I began to tell him mine. And I invited him to our cigar group that happened, our, our Bible study cigar group that happened at the cigar shop. And he would come the first couple of times. And when he came, he would actually come quite drunk and say, really felt like, you know, but he began to show his cards because he began to talk a lot about Scripture. What do you all think about this? What do you all think about this? What do you all think? And so it was like, okay, you have a faith history. And over time, I actually got to see God work in this man and soften his heart again to the point where we were having one Bible study for the cigar one night and he was just lit a fire. It was like you could see the transition. His heart had become soft again. And, and there was another guy there who, who had lost a cousin to suicide. And this guy whose heart had turned, like he speaks up. He was like, man, I've been there. I am with you right now. If you need anything, I've got it. And he was like, and he goes, this is so crazy. He goes, I think we should pray for him right now. He goes, I don't know how that works, but is it cool if I do it? And I was just like, like it was just amazing, right? But so we can't, so again, like, like I don't want us to limit this to somebody who does not believe. This can be a condition of our hearts. Let's go on to the next one, verse 13. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to go on just yet. Because I do want to give questions each time. Um, the question we want to ask in this assessment is like, am I letting God in? Am I, am I, let, am, am I willing to engage God? Am, am I willing to have conversations? With, am, I, am I willing to listen to him? Will I even give his word a chance? All right, now verse 13. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. So this is a heart that is quick to embrace, but also quick to let go. Um, the work of God begins in this person, but it doesn't take root. It can't, and here's the reason why it can't. Um, this is a heart condition of surface Surrender. Surface surrender. 
So in a person like this, they, they've latched on to the simple, accessible things of God. They haven't, like, given them whole selves to him. So there's, like, the surface of soil, but there's a lot of rock and weird and funky below that. So God really can only get into this much of them. So it's likely you'll see spiritual enthusiasm in this kind of person, but no spiritual strength. You might hear them say spiritual things, but you won't really see them do a lot of spiritual things. Their deeper heart is still hard, um, ignorant or unknowing and untouched by God because they're just not giving God all of their heart. Um, A couple other phrases that might help us identify it. They would see God as an answer, not an anchor. They would see God as a band-aid, not bedrock. So when something else comes along, it's pretty easy for them to be pulled away, pulled away by temptation. Because it's just a surface surrender. It's not a deep surrender. And so if you glance down, if if you're holding the Bible, look in the Bible, uh, verse 15, where it talks about the good soil, you notice that rocky soil has only done one of the three things that good soil does. Good soil receives, clings to, and patiently endures. Here, all we see is receive. And again, like, I think this can be our heart condition in any season of life. Like This, this could be something where, where we can kind of land for a season if we're not careful. So how do we figure that out? How do we assess, is this where I am? The question I'm going to give you is like, how much am I letting God in? Like, what is it today that I know like he and I aren't having a conversation about? There's an area of my life that is not surrendered to him or where I am disobedient or I'm living my own life and doing my own thing. And so like, I have like categories and classifications. There's spots where I kind of do the God thing and there's a whole lot of spots where I don't. That would be this surface surrender. How can I get my surrender deeper when it comes to my heart? All right, verse 14, among thorns. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. Um, So in this heart condition, God is present, but not priority. And I love how in just a few words, Jesus lays this out with impressive clarity. Check it out. He says, it represents those who hear the message. The message is received. It's like if 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 my four fingers were a priority list, But all too quickly, so the message is on top, right? It's received. All too quickly, it's crowded out by the cares. So your cares get bumped up to number one. And the riches, and your riches get bumped up. And the pleasures of this life. And before you know it, you just see, like, the message of God, the word of God, the work of God, lose its priority in this person's life. It's crowded out by cares, riches, and pleasures. And so they never grow into maturity. There's this connection, preoccupation with 
when it says this life, it literally means like this physical, earthly life. And what I would say that Jesus is communicating not only here, but also in Matthew 6. We'll hop over there in just a second and look at it. That, that we're not going to grow into the mature spaces of the kingdom of God if we're too distracted like with our own kingdom. And, I, and, I, and like, like if we like, if we're caught up with like, what's the real goal and desire of our life? Because those can fluctuate and they can get funky. And, and, and it's legitimate. I mean, we have physical needs. We need money. We need a job. We need, a, we need shelter. Like, like those things are things. But man, isn't it beautiful? It's like when Jesus says you can't serve both God and money, I believe like this is a delineation that he's making. So let's, I'll, I'll go back. I'll read it to you just for a second. Just a couple of things from, from Matthew chapter 6. Listen, just, 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 just listen and see how Matthew 6 speaks to this idea of thorns crowding out the word and work of God. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You're going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Check this out, man. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Can your worries add a single moment to your life? If God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Don't worry about these things. Saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? These things, here we go, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Hey, Marcy, it's good to see you. I was looking for you back there, but you're right there. <laughs> Thank you for that ADHD moment. Okay, um, Both are going to be present, right? It's, it's not one or the other. It's priority. We have to be vigilant to weed our hearts of the weight of the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And I'll say, man, like the cares of this life, it's not like they're evil, right? The riches of this life, they're not evil. The pleasures of this life, they're not evil, I mean, you could have like some evil intent and motivate some weird fun. You know what I'm talking about, right? But here, here's what I would suggest to you. In, in walking this out and receiving more of the Lord, crowding those, keeping those things in check and keeping him where he belongs priority-wise. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Here it is. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll make your path straight. Do you see how that also lines up with Matthew 6, right? In all of your ways, acknowledge him. So in your cares, acknowledge him. In your riches, in your wealth, in your finances, in your resources, acknowledge him. And even in the pleasures, the joys, and the jerks of life, acknowledge him. Simple question here with this heart is like, am I placing God first, right? 
How do I move him? How do I acknowledge him in all things? All right, I want to get to 15, and then we'll be done. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Good soil hears God's word. So let's be people who listen. All right, we're going to look at listen, the hearing part, the clinging part, and the patiently producing part. Let's be people who listen. All right, so here is that diagram of the wisdom pyramid. A little bit difficult to see, but I think the picture is actually quite brilliant. So when the author first came up with this wisdom pyramid, what was cool was, you'll notice it's the Bible, like the church or the people of God, like the relationships of the people of God. Then he has nature. Originally, he had nature and beauty in that third spot. And then it was like books and then internet and then social media. And then when he finally like worked it down and whittled it down, he moved social media and internet all into one, into the like least important spot. But you've got the Bible, God's word, right? The people of God. And not only the people, not only like this people of God, but like all people of God, like Paul, C.S. Lewis, right? Tozer, like all the people that have spent their life and spent their time connected to the Lord, the people of God, the church, nature, all of creation and its beauty and its power, books, right? There are plenty of things that we can draw truth from, genuine truth, God-honoring, God-affirming truth in all different kinds of books. And then here he even specifically says, like, like read old books, books that have stood the test of generations and are still true and beneficial and helpful. Uh, beauty, art, paintings, poetry, those things that would show us and affirm God's truth in the world and in our lives. And then finally, the internet and social media. Again, not like completely irrelevant, but you can see like where it belongs proportionally with everything else, right? So when we listen, absolutely, let's begin with the Bible. But let's also realize all of the avenues with which God speaks to us with his truth. And then let's cling to it, man. Just like it says in verse 15, like let's anchor our lives and our actions in the truth of God. And then endure and patiently produce. Just like it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he is faithful and he will do it. He is faithful and he will do it. And so whatever the condition of your heart is, the goal of the spiritual life is harvest. And we want the work of God to come to fruition in our lives. I want to put that sentence up and like leave it for you as we finish this morning. The goal of the spiritual harvest, here he is, the goal of the spiritual life is the harvest. We want the work of God to come into fruition. That's what Jesus says, right? With good soil, it produces. So it's not a whole lot about you. It's not a whole lot about your heart. It's all about you being a place where, like, the things of God happen. Right? Like, he plants something in you, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it strengthens, and it matures, and it's deep, and it's wide, and it's fruitful. But it's all him. Like, our work is to receive. Our work is to listen, cling, and patiently produce. So check it out right? We got all kinds of stuff in our hearts. 
we can let all kinds of stuff in our hearts. So I, I give to you, exhibit A, a heart, right? Um, maybe we get like everything from encouraging words to insults to, I don't know, just all the things, cares of this world, all the stuff that we might put in our hearts, right? They could be from any of the first three, right? Really bitter, hard part things, just on and on and on and on. But these are the things that take up space in our hearts. But when we take the time to listen, to cling to, consistently, patiently let God produce good works in our lives, when we we let his truth in, we do begin to see a change. How many of you have like gone into January and you're like, I am going to read the Bible this year? Come on. Come on, Sarah. I see that hand in the back. And so you read the first week, eight or nine, ten days, and you're like, this isn't working. And it's January 9th and you're done for the year, right? March 9th, okay. Way to go, Marcy. That was almost the whole first quarter. But check it. If we listen, right, consistently make ourselves available to the truth of God, he will begin to fill our hearts. And before you know it, oh, it works better. That was supposed to happen. I love saying the phrase, I don't know about you. I say it a lot when I preach. I don't know about you, but I want that to be my heart. Right, fertile, incredible soil. Where he has so much room to do whatever he wants to.